This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Institute's Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy and Managing Editor of Environment and Climate News. I'm pleased to have as a guest today Heartland colleague Tim Benson, who has for seven years now worked as a policy analyst in the Heartland Institute's Government Relations Department. Tim may be known to most of you as the host of the Heartland Institute podcast, Illiteracy, Podcast Literacy, Books with Benson. When not discussing books with top authors, Tim focuses on energy, environment, and education policies in the states. And because states have been active on these issues, so is Heartland in general and Tim in particular. He's here to discuss some of what's going on in the states today. Tim, thanks for being with us. Sterling, my pleasure, as always. So, Tim, as host of these podcasts, it must seem a little weird to be on the receiving end of the questions, but uh, here we are. Uh, (laughs) As a native of Florida... And an environmental guru at Heartland, you must have some thoughts on Governor Ron DeSantis' recent very public pushback against ESG efforts by corporations and federal proposals to mandate ESG requirements and reporting. What did DeSantis say and what's he doing? Yeah, uh, he's been uh, pretty vocal about it. They uh, Just um, late last month, I think it was uh, last the last week of August, the uh, – uh, basically, DeSantis um, directed the uh, the trustees of the State Board of Administration, those are the people uh, uh, that oversee the uh, fund managers who who invest uh, state funds, um, you know, in uh, different pensions or uh, whatnot, uh, basically uh, directed them to uh, push away from ESG that uh, basically that they have to uh invest state funds in a manner that prioritizes the highest return of investment for Florida taxpayers and for Florida retirees retirees uh without considering the you know the ideological agenda of you know the ESG movement the environmental social and right. corporate governance movement so um, so long, that so was long pretty- as corporations comply with uh with, with laws concerning uh hiring and things like that You've got yeah. you know, just maintain profits, not focus on equity right, goals right. or gender goals or climate goals. Yeah, absolutely. And he's also um, – they haven't done this yet, but it's going to be a priority, it looks like, for the next legislative session in 2023. Um, it's I think they might have already unveiled the legislation that uh, basically it would amend Florida's deceptive and unfair trade practices statute um, to prohibit – discriminatory practices by large financial institutions, say uh, BlackRock or something like that, um, based on ESG social credit score metrics. So that is something that, uh, like I said, looks like it's going to be a a high priority uh, in the next legislative session, 2023, um, you know, unless something extremely unlikely happens and he loses the election (laughs) and Florida gets really blue all of a sudden, which um, yeah. I don't th- I don't think will happen since Florida has been trending red since, you know, uh, since Jeb Bush basically in 2000. So it's been a sort of a, a move from from purple to to pretty heavy red here in Florida. Right. 
over the last 20 years. Well, because they, they like, <laughs> they, yeah. they actually like seeing their economy grow and people yeah, doing yeah. well. You know, that, that that's what happened in Texas. Look, we used to have Democrats. Uh, well, I mean, mm-hmm. we still got, don't get me wrong, we still got Democrats. But we used to have Democrats that were more uh, conservative than Republicans in New York. And most of them just switched parties because they said the party has abandoned us. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what, that is literally what made Texas red versus blue because uh, it was a blue dog Democrat state for decades. And, yeah. um, or I should say, yeah, yellow, I mean, it's just, dog, yellow I, dog. I th- yeah, it's just, uh, Florida, um, <laughs> it's, I think it's just, honestly, it's just, like I said, there hasn't been, there hasn't been a, a Democratic governor in the state of Florida since, uh, since before Jeb Bush was elected. And so we've had, uh, Jeb Bush and then Charlie Chris back when he was actually, uh, a Republican and, uh, before he completely right. <laughs> you know, did his 180 heel turn, yeah. uh, you know, Rick Scott and now Ron DeSantis and they've all, for the most part, uh, governed the state relatively well. I mean, the, the state is, um, the state government is uh as far as state governments go is is particularly uh well run here in Florida and um that i think really that more than any sort of ideological stuff is the thing that has uh, really uh, made Florida almost a safe republican seat at this or uh you know safe republican uh, grab at this point just because um you know uh, it's just because the governance, uh, the actual governance of the state has, has been done so well. Yeah. And, um, like I said, I think, I, I think that's been an actual, like yeah. a, a bigger factor than any sort of, you know, cultural or ideological stuff that has turned the state, you know, like I said, from a purple state to a, uh, basically a red state now, which is what it is. Well, I think uh, that's been a factor in Texas. Certainly our economy has done well under Republican leadership. And uh, the, the Democrats have put a lot of money into here in recent mm-hmm. years, trying to. And, and, Democrats from out of state, yeah. Oh yeah, Democrats from out of state, mm-hmm. yeah. Trying to elect people, um, and and every every election cycle they say, oh, this is the one. Oh, we we made gains. Well, they they made gains two times ago, and then they lost those gains. Uh, uh, yeah, last I mean, election, they're trying, and they're still yeah. trying to hey, look. They're, they put up Beto. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I was just saying there were, I just saw something a, a couple of days ago. It was like, Oh, look how close Beto is. And it's like, nah, it's, he's not going to win. Like, why do yeah. you, like, I don't understand uh, why they keep doing themselves. Look how close the, he is. He's, he's eight points down. He, <laughs> yeah. He's not within the margin of error. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, yeah, now it, uh, uh, we, we've even had some Democrats on the border switch to Republicans or some seats. Switch to Republicans. You've got Hispanic mm. Republicans now on the border because they're so sick of what's going on. So, yeah. so Tim, uh, and, and and of course Texas has been also a leader on the ESG thing. We we mm-hmm. passed a law uh, two years ago in the last ele- legislative session that uh, the comptroller just put together his list over 300 funds uh, the state can no longer invest in, uh, have holdings mm-hmm. in. Banks, there are a list of banks that we can't do business with, that can't offer uh, bonds for cities. Uh, uh, BlackRock's on that list of, uh, of companies that can no longer uh, get state money. Uh, mm-hmm. And now they're all back. Oh, no, we love oil and gas. We love oil and gas. I say, yeah. no, you don't. Look, we're not idiots. 
you, 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 you get boards on an, an oil company and you try and get them out of oil. That's not loving oil. Um, you're, you're building pipelines in China, <laughs> but you won't build pipelines here. So, mm-hmm. um, they, uh, Texas isn't fooled either on this stuff. Um, moving on from ESG, Tim, I, I think California is very instructive concerning what policies not to pursue on a lot of fronts. Um, recently, however, Democrats led by Governor Newsom, who, as you know, is, is no fan of Ron DeSantis. Um, yeah. he's on TV down here just as much as DeSantis. Is that right? Yeah. 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 You'd think he was running for governor down there. Uh, <laughs> He's on more than Charlie Chris, that's yeah. for sure. And what's what's sort of funny is, yeah, he won his recall election, but the very fact that there was a recall election should tell you how popular he actually is. Um, but anyway, Democrats there in California, they've taken energy and climate absurdity to new hypocritical heights. In the last month, California passed a law requiring – the phase-out of the sale of new electric, uh, new vehicles powered by the internal combustion engines by 2035. Yet less than a week later, the state issued a warning for electric vehicle owners not to charge their cars for fears of blackouts, causing blackouts. And, of course, uh, it gets more absurd still. The state is banning the use of gas-powered lawn equipment. Many cities are banning the use of gas hookups. They're basically mandating the use of ever more electricity on a grid that is becoming increasingly unreliable due to California's foreclosing of coal and increasingly even natural gas for electricity in lieu of intermittent solar. You know, what? how can you be a leader and, and pass laws that within a week are shown to be just completely uh, madness? Yeah. yeah, that's funny. That's one of the... One of the beauties of federalism is um, you can watch, uh, you know, one state can watch another state <laughs> uh, make decisions and, and do things and uh, take notes and figure out, okay, um, let's do that or let's not do that. And, uh, yeah, California has just been uh, a massive uh, – I mean, this is just go- – this is – where California is now, the decisions uh, that have got it to this point were taken many, many years ago, and they're all sort of, you know, bearing fruit now at the wrong time, um, or uh, you know, the right time or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, California has like something over like 200. They implement something over 200 different energy efficiency regulations. Um, you know, they. Uh, impose a renewable energy mandate on the state that's uh, going to force the utility companies there to generate 100% of their electricity from quote-unquote renewables uh, by 2045. They have a cap-and-trade system that uh, covers, I think, like 85% of the state's greenhouse gas emissions. You know, they have retail rate net metering, they're even driving uh, they have farmers it. out of the state with, with yeah yeah uh, they have they have a mandate methane. you know that mandate uh, that new homes constructed in the state uh, after the year 2020 all new homes uh, must have a solar electricity source uh, you know they have a low carbon fuel standard you know and all these other um, you know just silly silly things and that has you know pushed up the state's residential electricity prices to um, uh, outside of 
I think they're like at 18 cents a kilowatt hour now for their uh, uh, electricity rates, which is the highest in the nation outside of like the New England states and Alaska and Hawaii. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, their electricity prices have increased uh, seven times more than the rest of the United States in the last decade. Um, and at the same time, they've seen a 10% decline in uh, zero carbon electricity over the last decade. And that's because they're shutting down, they shut down the San Onofre uh, nuclear plant. And it's also a pretty good surf beach if you're ever out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, yeah, that's, it's, you know, and then this whole thing, but it never ends. No, I mean, you know, look, what has been the effect of these laws that have been passed in the past? I'll tell you every year in spring, the California, uh, energy regulator, uh, the, uh, the California surf, surf, what is it? California surface air quality board or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Capers or something Capers, like that. Capers, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. They issue warnings starting in spring that we're going to have blackouts because we don't have enough mm-hmm. energy for the coming summer. Yeah. And they do. They have rolling blackouts. They have brownouts. They have unexpected blackouts. Uh, and yet then they, they pass new laws. And, and, you know, for instance, adding insult to injury, um, Democrats and Newsom, because Newsom was before this, you know, behind this before he was the governor, and Democrats have been behind this forever. Uh, have mm-hmm. pushed – you've already mentioned one nuclear power plant that closed. Well, they pushed for the premature closure of the state's sole remaining nuclear power plant, yeah. uh, which is Diablo Canyon. And they got their wish. In 2016, Pacific Gas and Electric said, okay, you don't want nuclear power? Fine. Uh, the fact that this thing provides more than 10% of the state's energy, you don't want it. We're going to close it down. They agreed to close it down by 2025 in three years. Yet just last week – uh, news from the Democrats support legislation, uh, completely opposite of what they have fought for for 20 years. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, we need this. Yeah. We're keep to going. keep the plan open, including yeah. public funding to keep it open because Pacific Gas and Electric has already made their plans, uh, on an emergency basis. They want to keep it fu- funding it open as far as I can tell to 2035 now, which was Pacific Gas and Electric's original plan. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, Last week, Newsom waived a variety he, – he literally waived clean air laws in California, a variety of clean air laws yeah. to keep traditional power plants online during the present heat wave and to allow the use uh, – the regular use of diesel and gas fuel generators. He said, look, you got these things at home. We're not going to penalize you. You keep them online. Believe me. We want you to use did them. You, this- did you – oh, sorry. Did you see the video or the, the picture of the guy um- – I saw it on Twitter. I, I think I sent it around the office, but it was a dude, um, you know, it was a, he was charging his Tesla, the guy out in California, charging his Tesla from a gas power generator. So he had like plugged his Tesla yeah, they tell into him the not generator. To. <laughs> right, well, right. I saw so, another picture yesterday that where they, where the guy was, was driving a Tesla on the highway with a gas power generator tied to the back so he could take that was the same guy that was the same guy yeah yeah there you go yeah. uh <laughs> this this is the kind of these this is the chickens coming home to roost and yeah. uh yet <laughs> they just keep doubling down and then backing off temporarily as if giving uh power plants five days to break the law uh is going to solve that problem uh, long term. 
I mean, now they started blaring warning sirens in California, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. in, torna- in Texas, we hear sirens when tornadoes are around. I, I hear them uh, far more often than I wish. Uh, in California, they do the same thing for wildfires. But now they're warning people to shut off unnecessary uses of electric power. That's actually a yeah. thing now. It doesn't show doesn't show how how unprepared California's electric power system is for the future its politicians are making. Yeah, uh, you know the they've increased the amount of uh, their electricity generation that comes from renewable sources or you know quote unquote renewable from wind and solar uh, dramatically over the last decade. And of course, you know. Uh, Peak electricity hours or, or electricity usage hours are, you know, at night, uh, when you need to have the lights on and everything. And that's when, you know, solar, solar panels aren't worth a shit. Uh, pardon my French. And because, you know, there's no sunlight to, uh, uh, you know, to get any power out of them. And then, you know, the wind is also intermittent. And the other problem they've been having, uh, uh, cause they get a lot of their electricity from, from hydroelectric sources from dams and, uh, uh, you know, they've been having a drought, so they haven't been able to rely on these high, the hydro sources, uh, that they have been, you know, in the past. And yeah, it's just, uh, well, so, they've also <laughs> been ripping out dams to save yeah, the salmon, that's right? You. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the more they rely on these intermittent sources, I mean, the more often this is just going to happen. Um, you know, uh, like this is, Eventually, this is all going to have to end. I mean, because it's just, um, it's just an unsustainable way to uh, to power a society of 40 million people. California is like what the the fifth fifth or sixth largest economy in the world. Like, if you remove California from the rest of the United States, it's still like the fifth largest economy in the world, and they can't keep the friggin' lights on. You know. Um, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, like that Hemingway line about, you know, uh, you know, how people go broke, uh, you know, gradually and then suddenly. <laughs> and the, so that's, that's sort of like basically like what California is like coming up to now. Like, uh, you know, they've been running out of electricity gradually and now suddenly. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, uh, hitting them in the face, especially if they're planning on, you know, uh, electrifying their entire transportation sector, which is yeah. this, you know, this latest announcement that they made, you know, with the electric vehicles, electric vehicles you know, requiring the sales to, uh, what is it? A hundred percent by 2035, yep. you know, but that's a gradual lane. So I think by 2026, like 35% of new vehicles is sold in the state have to be <laughs> powered by batteries or hydrogen fuel, fuel sales. Um, then it's like 68, and, and, 69. And that's just not yeah. going to happen because th- there aren't yeah. that many of those vehicles being made and they can't with the supply chain issues right now. You know, the, right. the automakers are already saying, we can't do this. Uh, yeah. you, you know, yeah. you can pass a law, but that doesn't change physics. Right. Uh, but the problem is California is such a large market that this affects every Everybody, other, yeah. every place in the United States. I mean, that's part of the reason, you know, we saw, uh, well, part of it's the, the, uh, uh, you know, the cafe standards and whatnot with, uh, you know, we saw Dodge, uh, you know, Chrysler this week saying they're next year's the last year for a, uh, uh for, a for the, gas powered charger or challenger. Yeah, they're top, and, they're top selling vehicles. Yeah. Except and Ford for said the, the trucks. For, and Ford came out and said the same thing with the Mustang too. Yeah. Uh, I think 2023 is going to be the last year of the gas powered Mustang. Um, 
you know, uh, so it's already having an effect on everything else. Now everybody can't have sweet cars. Uh, we, we all have to drive. We're, we're all going to be forced to drive these, you know, glorified golf carts. Um, well, the question is how long that'll last when the sales yeah. drop to zero and fiat starts to go out of uh, goes, goes into bankruptcy. I guess they get another bailout, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and this time Ford yeah. may have to take one, but maybe not because GM is also doing the same thing. You know, they're not. I don't know if they're doing it on trucks. Uh, yeah, just, oh, no, I don't no, think no. they will. No, no, no. That's their cash cow, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ford, the Ford F one fifty. Say what you will. Uh, it, it, the Ford F one fifty is not just the best selling truck in the nation; it's the best selling vehicle in the nation, and has been, as far as I can tell, for about twenty years or more. Yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. matter what the gas prices are. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Up and down, Ford F-150 sells more vehicles. And uh, now they've got the electric uh, uh, truck, and we'll see how it does. But my suspicion is next year, despite the sale of the electric truck, the F-150 will still be the top selling. Oh, I'm sure it will. I mean, you know, no one really – Well, they don't trust it. I don't Look, know. I know yeah. people, my mother, one, who has one of these uh, hybrids, and she she bought it. And uh, the battery pack has now gone out. And the battery mm-hmm. pack to replace, they're not covered like powertrains and engines in vehicles where right, you get yeah. your warranties. No, no, no. The battery pack is not covered. And they cost more than the vehicle is worth at this stage. Oh, yeah. My, my grandparents just had to replace the batteries on their golf cart. And it was... I think at least like three or four grand or something like that, just for you know, for a golf cart, a golf cart yeah. not for no, and, <laughs> not and, for your... and 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 that's so so she's going to have to get a new car, and it's not going to be a battery powered one this time. Uh, she needs something that can actually be warranted, and uh, <laughs> you know that when a battery costs more than the engine, it's, than an engine, you know something's wrong. Yeah. And, uh, yet that's the future they're, they're imposing. And in fact, that's what I want to get to, uh, you know, so the final question, because we, we're running a bit long. Other states and localities are also pushing. I mean, you know, you, you say, oh, well, they're going to learn. They, they'll finally slap them in the face. And yet mm-hmm. we can all look at what's California is going on. It's not new. It's not just this year. It's been going on for years, every summer mm-hmm. for, for probably a decade now. But other states and localities are also pushing the greater use of electric vehicles. Uh, they want to adopt California's standards. Two of them have already announced that they would. Virginia is forced by law to, unless they can change the law. Uh, the governor says he's, the new governor says he's going to fight against it. But for instance, Juneau, Alaska, they're planning to spend millions of dollars. They're getting a federal grant, by the way, um, to add electric buses to its fleet. They want to add new, seven new electric buses. Juneau, Alaska. Freezing temperatures, bad for batteries, but they want to add seven new electric buses to their fleet, despite the fact that they cost far more than traditional buses, about uh, three to five times more. And the one electric bus they already have is consistently out of service. Uh, it, 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 it not, not only does it break down, but regularly it loses battery power in the middle of its route and they have to put a diesel powered vehicle in service to to finish its route but they're going to buy mm-hmm. seven more they're doubling down on not yep. no the, the, what is it it's not quintupling septupling is it septupling i don't know septupling yeah, yeah septupling yeah. down on a bad policy and in rhode island 
They're pushing forward a plan to spend more than $1 million per bus for new electric buses, despite the fact that adjacent Connecticut, the day after Governor Ned Lamont announced a new state law requiring all public vehicles to transition to electric, uh, they, Hamden had to pull all of its electric buses from service when one of them caught fire just sitting there because of the batteries. It was sitting there yep. in a parking lot, not running, not charging, just sitting there. And the battery got hot and exploded and caught fire. And the next day, they pulled all seven of their electric buses from service. Um, the day after, he passed the law saying everyone's got to have an electric bus. Look, similar problems plagued cop cars in rural England, buses in France, scooters in India. What folks, what, what don't these folks understand? Do they not care about the safety of transit riders, school kids, because they want to put school kids in electric buses. I can imagine in rural North Dakota, school kids being picked up and then being stuck on the way to school or the way from school in a snowstorm because the bus lost power. Uh, do they just not care what's going on? I don't know. I, no, you know, I think they think they're doing the right thing. You know, it's just, I, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they really think about it too hard. Um, uh, but, you know, there's just the idea of, I mean, ever since like the rise of the environmental movement back in the late sixties and early seventies, you know, it's fossil fuels are icky. Oil companies are, you know, these horrible people that are just raping the land and, uh, you know, for profit and, uh, you know, they don't care about, about the earth and all this sort of stuff. And that's, uh, that sort of thinking I think is like seeped in. I think they just really, I think they just really don't like <laughs> these companies very much. And, uh, I think they think they're doing a good thing by eliminating, uh, fossil fuels entirely. I don't, I don't know. It's hard. I don't want to, um, uh, believe or speak ill of people or, you know, put them or put words in their mouth or anything like that. I, so I'm going to say that it's just that they sincerely believe, uh, that they're doing, uh, a noble, righteous, righteous deed and not that it's any, you know, nefarious, um, nefarious plot or anything like that. Well, and, it doesn't you know, have to be a nefarious plot, but if you look at what's happening and you still keep doing the wrong thing uh, and expecting different results, you know, yeah, Einstein I know, called it think, madness. I call it hubris. The, the idea that they are so powerful that if they just say something must be done and it will work great, then it will be done and it will work great. And that's Well, yeah, I mean, that's just always been, that's always been the, the Achilles heel of the central planner, right? It's just, you know, we say we will do this by, you know, X date or whatever, and they just assume that that's going to happen because they decreed it, uh, you know, when reality has a way of, uh, you know, like the Mike Tyson thing, like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I think they really believe that, you know, whatever the growing pains are with uh, renewables and this sort of thing, that eventually, by the time they get everything implemented to the way they want to, that the technology on these things is the, the corner is going to been turned and that these sort of things won't be a problem. And, uh, of course, it's going to, which is too bad, you know, because I, you know, we, we make fun of California a lot, but, uh, I don't, you know, it, 
it pains me because I love California. Like it, California is one of my favorite places on earth. Like I'm a, um, you know, I'm, I'm a surfer, you know, down here in Florida. I love, yeah, you, like- uh, you know, yeah. California beach culture has been a, you know, a big part of my life, you know, pretty much my entire life. I love, you know, the old, the old California, you know, car culture, you know, the hot rod culture, uh, you know, the, uh, even, you know, the, the stuff like the low rider culture, all that sort of, sure. I, like, uh, I, that, all that stuff is just like so cool and just uniquely American, um, and uniquely Californian. And it's just like a state that is just sort of like turned its back on like all the things that like make California great. Yeah, I was about to say, everything that uh, makes it just, special, they're driving. Yeah. Everything that makes it special, you know, I mean, like it's, you know, uh, you know, California is just lucky that it's, uh, that it's not Illinois, you know, that it's, <laughs> that it's, that it's, uh, you know, physically gorgeous, uh, pretty much every, every square inch of, of, of land in California is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, which you know, Illinois doesn't have the same uh, doesn't have the same built-in advantage that California has. So, uh, for you know, a state like Illinois to try to uh, follow those policies is just sort of you know because people just sort of put up with all the the snow because all, of all the crazy crap yeah. in California just because it's like well it's you know at least I'm in California and it's beautiful like no one's going to do that in you know Peoria or uh, Kankakee or you know something like that in Illinois you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I I wish California would come to its senses, uh, just because you know it's a place I'd love to spend time. It's a place I'd love to visit. Um, you know, you don't want to see um, any state really like do uh, you know enact policies that are self defeating that um, you know uh, do not benefit their citizens that uh, that have a. Uh, a heightened impact on, you know, lower income people, uh, you know, things that yeah, yeah. You know, make, make, you know, things that make the lives of lower income people harder, which is what a lot of these environmental regulations, uh, do. Um, so, you know, I hope everybody would come to their, I mean, it's not going to happen, but until rea- like, again, until reality punches them in the face and then harder than it already has, you know, that, yeah, that harder than it already has. And, uh, but yeah, so hopefully, um, you know, they turn it around, but not likely. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for being on today. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, buddy. Listeners. Thank you very much. Thanks for checking in on us today. Please check Heartland's website as we follow the work of Tim Benson and his teammates in the government relations department at the Heartland Institute, where they will be on top of ESG, energy laws, climate laws, all that stuff for you. Please follow us as we track the progress of energy and environmental laws and regulations that affect you. In addition, if you're not already receiving these podcasts daily on your favorite device, go to iTunes and subscribe. And when you have the time, please rate our podcast on iTunes so you can help us expand the reach of free market ideas. Thanks. Take care. Bye.